What is up, guys? This is Andrew. And Alyssa. And you're listening to Side by Side Podcast. This week, we are reading Genesis 11 through 15. And if you have any questions, please leave a comment so we can answer them on our next study podcast. So, jumping right in. Alyssa, can you read Genesis 11? I would love to. All right, chapter 11. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As they migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to the, look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united, and they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages so they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. This is why the city was called Babel, because this is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. This is the account of Shem's family. Two years after the great flood, and when Shem was a hundred years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. After the birth of Arphaxad, Shem lived another five hundred years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad was thirty-five years old, he became the father of Shelah. After the birth of Shelah, Arphaxad lived another four hundred and three years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah was thirty years old, he became the father of Eber. After the birth of Eber, Shelah lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber was 34 years old, he became the father of Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg was 30 years old, he became the father of Ru. After the birth of Ru, Peleg lived another 209 years and he had other sons and daughters. When Ru was 32 years old, he became the father of Sarug. After the birth of Sarug, Ru lived another 207 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Sarug was 30 years old, he became the father of Nahor. After the birth of Nahor, Sarug lived another 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor was 29 years old, he became the father of Terah. After the birth of Terah, Nahor lived another 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah was... Tw- Seventy years old, he became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Well, I thought I was going to get off easy with some of those names, but it kind of got me at the end. Not as bad as last chapter, though, that's for sure. Yeah, that was, that was a short genealogy. Yeah, luckily. So. But uh, I think the Tower of Babel is just so funny. I never really understood it. We'll break it down 
in our next episode. But, I mean, just, like, reading it for how it is, it's just funny that it literally says, God said, look, the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they do will be impossible for them. So let's go and confuse the people with different languages, then they won't be able to understand each other. <laughs> it just sounds so random. It really does. <laughs> and we'll explain it a lot better next week, or yeah. next episode. Yes. But I just... Bird's eye point of view is, it's funny. It really is. <laughs> they thought they were going somewhere. Yeah. God said, nope. <laughs> no way, Jose. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add about the genealogies? Let me take a look. I think I'd just like to point out like how much younger they started to live. I was thinking that too. I mean, Tara did live 205 years. Right, but, but the but ones before him. Were 500 years. Yeah. 600 years. Shem was 600 years old. And Nahor had Tara when he was 29 and only lived another 119 years after that. That's pretty young. Yeah, compared to 600 years? Yeah. Very big difference. Crazy. So, I think that's like the only like super big thing that stuck out of me. Right. Alrighty, you want to start reading chapter 12? Of course. The call of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, And go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moran. At this time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in hill country, with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Abram and Sarai in Egypt. At this time, a severe famine famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them that you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. 
Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all of his possessions. I just think that's so interesting. I mean, because as we read more, we'll see another, another bit like this. But I just think it's crazy that Abram had the faith in God to know that if he lied, that the Egyptians would be punished, but not enough faith to protect him, you know? Yeah. Isn't that just interesting? I mean, really, yeah. Like, the fact that he knew that they were going to be punished. Right. But still didn't do anything. Yeah, very strange. He didn't think he that God would protect him, which is baffling. Very weird. Do you have anything else to add on that? I don't think so. Not right now. We'll save it for next week. Sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. I say we move on to chapter 13. All righty. Chapter 13. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar, and the whole area was watered, well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to the place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession, and I will give you... So many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. I really like this chapter. Why is that? Because I, mainly because I just found something new that I never actually noticed. It's like the foreshadowing of Lot. I'd never, I don't know, I just... Missed it. Yeah, me yeah. too. That's the first, like, listening to you read that, I noticed, like, the foreshadow of Lot uh-huh. and his troubled times, which we will talk about in our next study. Yeah, yeah. You can just see that, like, the greed that's sitting in his head. Yeah. You know? We all have a little bit of greed to get rid of. That's right. <laughs> so, can't blame him too much for it. <laughs> Anything really stick out to you in that one? 
I think it's kind of cool how Abram, you know, saw there was an issue and he said, hey, I don't want to lose you. You're my nephew. Like you lost your dad. I lost my brother. Like you're really the only close family I've got left besides my wife. I still want a relationship with you. So take your pick. You can go left or right and I'll go to the other. I'll take whichever. And I think that because of that, like God also blessed Abram by saying, you know, like north and south, east and west, as far as you can see, like that's all going to be yours. Yeah. And your descendants are going to be like dust on the earth. You can't even count them. He just was really like showing Abram, kind of gave him the peace in that deal. Right. No matter what Lot chooses, Abram knew he was going to be blessed from that point on. Right. So. I think that's cool. Yep. All righty. You want to continue on chapter 14? I cannot wait. The foreshadow. Abram rescues Lot. About this time, war broke out in the region. King Aferl of Babylonia, King Eric of Elazar, King Keldalormer of Elam, and King Tidal of Giam fought against King Bera of Sodom, King Bersha of Gomorrah, King Sinab of Adma, King Shemer of Zembomia, and the King of Bela, also called Zoar. The second group of kings joined forces in Siddam Valley, that is, the Valley of the Dead Sea. For twelve years they had been subject to King Ketalomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled against him. One year later, Ketalomer and his allies arrived and defeated at Fades at Ashtaroth Karnirm, the Zutites at Ham, and the Ammonites at Shevai-Kiathiam, and the Horites at Mount Seir as far as El Paran at the edge of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to M. Mishpat, now called Kangdesh, and conquered all the territories of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites living in Hazazan Tamar. Then the rebel kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Zimomium, and Bela, also called Zora, prepared for battle in the Valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King Ketalomer of Elam, King Tidal of Giam, King Ephraimal of Babylonia, and King Eric of Elsar. Four kings against five. As it happened, the valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew who lived in Sodom, and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamir, the Amorite. Mamir and his relatives, Eskor and Anir, were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized his 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Keldemore's army until he caught up with them at the Dan. Then he divided his men and attacked during the night. Keldemore's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobar, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all of the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over Keldemore, 
and his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shevev. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of the God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham, the God Most High, creator of the heavens and the earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but keep for yourself all the goods that you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of the heavens and the earth, I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Anir, Eshkol, and Mamir. I think that might have been the hardest one yet. <laughs> I don't know. I think that the second genealogy you had might have been worse. But Keldemore. Keldemore. I think you said it different every single time. Oh, man. No, there's one that you said. It was so funny. Oh, goodness. Where is it? Well, I probably didn't say it anything like it's actually spelled. Is it the really long one? No, it's one that starts with, or has a Z in it. Oh, Zebonium? You said it different three times. So it's Z-E-B-O-I-M. The first time I think you said Zebomia. And the, <laughs> I don't remember what you said the second time, but it was just so funny. It was so sweet because that one's tough. So you guys listening, go back and try to find the two different ways that Andrew pronounced it. Well, uh. if you could probably do that with every single name <laughs> that I just read. Probably. Other than Abram. Probably. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, aside from all the difficult names of people and names of places that he just had to struggle through, I think it's really cool that at the end of that chapter, Melchizedek tried to give Abram a lot of things, you know, and Abram simply just said, you know, I'm going to take what I'm owed, but I'm not going to take anything more than that because I don't want you to say Abram's rich because of me. You know, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's just what we should do with our testimony. If you really like want to put it in context, like the way Abram knew God was the one blessing him, but he knew Satan. For us, it'd be Satan trying to take our testimony from us. He didn't want that guy to say, he's the one who made me rich, which takes away from God's glory. It's taking, he's trying to, he doesn't want him to take away from God's glory of what he's done in Abram's life. That's good. Preach it, babe. I just thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Because the first time I like heard it, I was like, well, that's kind of greedy. But if you put it in that way, like he wants to show that he's been blessed because of what God's given him. Yeah. Not because some, was he a king? Yeah. Not because some king wanted to give him a little more than he was owed. Yep. Very cool. Oh, man. Are you ready for chapter 15? I'm ready. All right. Last chapter of the night. The Lord's covenant promised to Abram. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children... 
Elazir of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. When the Lord told him, I am the Lord who's brought you out of, of the Chaldeans and gave you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all of these to him and killed them. He cut each animal down to the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for four hundred years, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. For the sun went down and darkness fell. Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, and the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kazanites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. I don't know if I've ever, like, really... I mean, you always get something different when you read it out loud. But I don't know if I really ever, like, read and fully understood it, that chapter before. Really? Yeah. I mean, I knew that, like, he made a covenant with them. But I don't remember about the offering and cutting them in half and him shooing the vultures away and the torch coming between the halves like i just i don't remember that which is really cool it is i actually don't remember the torch i do remember the cutting of the halves yeah like that's super deep like super deep and symbolic you know yeah it really is i love how he says you know look up and count the stars if you can as many as you can see and that's your descendants because there's so many stars in the sky and just so much beauty in them and so to look up at that and see that's how many generations and how many descendants, you know, will go on and on, I just think is really beautiful, you know. Yeah. I love that. Anything else you want to add before we go ahead and wrap this up? I don't think so on this one. I think this one is... Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Just takes some reading. Right. I do like the fact that it states the land that he owned, from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, mm-hmm. and then it lists who it's actually previously owned by yeah i think that is cool too but other than that i mean super stoked for our study me too all right do you want to close this up in prayer yes lord god i just thank you for everything that you do for us lord and just helping us to have this time to just grow closer to you to just dig deep into your word and just to read it out loud and things just pop out of the pages to us because you just give it to us like that. 
There's no other way to explain it than it's just you blessing us in this time. Lord God, I pray for everyone listening. I pray for Alyssa and I as we just continue to dig deep into your word for this upcoming study episode. And I just thank you for all that you do for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Side by Side Podcast. Don't forget to tune in in two weeks as we dive in and we study through all of this. This This has has been been Side by Side with Andrew and Alyssa. Love Love you guys. guys.